It's a special edition of Cultural Influence, man. I've been waiting to speak with this brother for a really long time. He is a man of controversial opinions. <laughs> the War King, L.B. Hughes. Because I come from a military family, so that's kind of partially where the War King gets his inspiration from, you know, because my plus I've, I've always wanted to do like a military gimmick in wrestling. You, right now you are the Alabama heavyweight champion. And uh, I just want to know more about your, your fitness journey, you know, what it means to you and like, I actually started working out to get into wrestling because I did share a locker room with Shane Douglas. Everybody was like trying to kiss his ass and stuff like that. It's kind of hard for me to watch wrestling as a fan being a wrestler myself. Y'all thought on uh, Bray Wyatt. But I'm extremely underwhelmed. I don't know where it's going, but I feel like this might be one of those instances where I feel like Bray Wyatt might be trying too hard. So on that part, you know, I feel like WWE is going to add that extra layer of protection. I don't want to get to a thousand days just for the sake of getting to a thousand days because then the rain kind of loses its importance. I think this deserves a raw reaction. Yeah. By the end of this day, man, do you see this list change? Drew, as a top guy in WWE, is still a relatively new thing. My one thing about Kenny Omega is I don't see Kenny Omega wrestling towards the end of this decade. You know, I don't see Roman being. I don't see that, Roman in the same boat. Hollywood is gonna swoop, grab yeah. it in a heartbeat, man. special edition of cultural influence man i've been waiting to speak with this brother for a really long time man uh I, from the moment me and ray started this podcast he was on the short list of people that i wanted to have on here shout out to my boy naji because he kept telling me like yo you got him you gotta get him you gotta get him i was like man that's the plan that's split and you know he he took time out of his day which means a lot because he's all about his wrestle and fitness he is a man of controversial opinions <laughs> but most importantly he is the alabama a uh, heavyweight wrestling champion, the War King, L.B. Hughes. Yo, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm very uh, humbled by this because yes, don't sir. nobody talk to me often. So, It's been a priority of mine to get you on here for a long time, so I was really happy to accept the invite and uh, just ready to chop it up with you, man. Yeah. Uh, so, it. uh, First and foremost, tell me a little bit about your wrestling persona, uh, how you and how you got into the game. Man, so I got into the business. First, I just want to say um, I never really had like aspirations of like doing this. You know, like I've been a lifelong fan. This course is like everybody else that enters this game, but it never really crossed my mind to like actually do this until one day. Uh, it was me and my father, and uh, we was uh, he was taking me to my job, and uh, he was like, "You know, son, um, I think you want to be a wrestler." And I was like, "What makes you think that?" He was like, "Well, son, I mean, you know, like you watch it Monday, Friday, and then like when the network came out, you know, you can watch it like every day, pretty much, because they had all that. So I was always watching it." He was like, "You collected all the action figures, you had all the rings, all the belts." Uh, you played all the video games, so I think that's something that you really want to do with your life. And, um, you know, like, who knows? If you make it, you made it. If not, then you can always sit there and say, 
least you tried, you know? So I was like, I thought about it and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go pursue it, you know, see what I can do. Found this school in this uh, country uh, town called Kill, Mississippi. That's uh, also the hometown of Brett Favre, wow. by the way. Yeah, ain't, ain't too many, ain't too many uh, brothers out there. That <laughs> <laughs> sounded self-explanatory. Wait, wait, wait. Can you say that again? You said kill. Yeah, kill. It's uh, it's spelled K I L N, but the N oh, is silent. Kill. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Kill. Oh, that sounds yeah. I, I come <laughs> with, um, promotion called a uh, Southern Championship Wrestling, and it's uh at the time it was ran in a bar. And like I get there, the dude was like, "All right, you got to try out." So I paid my money to try out and stuff, and that was brutal. But I fortunately I made it, and uh, and it's been going ever since. Oh, how old were you around this time? At this time, I was twenty three. Wow! Yeah, I was twenty three at this time when so I started. Really, uh, do you have an athletic background? Did you do anything? Well, because like you say, it kind of just came on you. But did you, did you come from an athletic background? Nah, uh, all in high school, I didn't really, uh, I didn't play any sports because I felt I was too little for it. So all I did throughout high school was junior ROTC. That was it. Because my goal was to just join the military and just go on by my life, do my 20 years, retire, and whatever yeah. else happened. Yeah, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, this wrestling just took a whole different life for me. So I looked at it as like, I'm just going to try to create my own legacy because I come from a military family. So that's kind of partially where the war king gets his inspiration from you know because my dad he did 26 years in the army and then my great-grandfather i'm sure like y'all grandfathers and stuff served in world war ii my great-grandfather served in world war ii then i got brothers and sisters and cousins they was all in the military so like you know that's where i get the inspiration from plus i've, I've always wanted to do like a military gimmick in wrestling yeah yeah i've always wanted that what so let's talk about uh, the, the the indie scene. I mean, the scene, the wrestling scene over there, because I think like when a lot of people think about like wrestling, like breaking out and wrestling, a lot of people think about Atlanta, uh, California and stuff like that. You know, you're in you said you're in Kill Missi in Mississippi, correct? So like what are yeah, like, like yeah. describe the scene? Like, is it is it is it a lot of big meaty men slapping me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not necessarily i mean you got your i don't even know how to describe it because we do got our, our chubby guys you know but they're like kind of athletic so they can move pretty yeah. much like to me like wrestling down here like down south it's kind of like very throwback ish like we still believe in heels and baby faces we still try to believe in kayfabe you know what i mean like we just still believe in the old school traditions the good tradition not the the hazing and all the other nonsense that they did back in the day so yeah we try to uh we pretty much try to you know keep the tradition alive pretty much okay now but are you mainly wrestling in mississippi or do you travel through well obviously alabama but like uh what states do you uh frequent in as far as your wrestling goes uh as of right now i'm mainly uh just in mississippi uh we was in alabama but like the building that we had like uh i guess like the um like the VFW commander didn't really want wrestling there. So we kind of just left and we just moved back to Mississippi. Uh, I've been trying to get booked in uh, Jacksonville uh, for uh, USWA because uh, what's the guy's name? What's his name? He going to kill me. I done forgot his name. I know his name is Brandon. Brandon something. I think Brandon Alexander. Yeah, he owns that promotion. And uh, he's been trying to get me booked out there for like two years. But like our schedule just never aligned. So I'm trying to get on out there because 
apparently he got connects with AEW. That's the move. That's the move. That's the move. So, so let's take take me back a little bit. You're 23 years old. You're getting into wrestling school. How long is this training process from the day you start training to your first match? And I want to know about that experience. Oh, man. I just <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I want to let me see. I started, I tried out in December, started training in like January. Didn't have, I forget. It's crazy because like everybody remembers like when their first match was. I forget the date. I just know it was like sometime in like late March. Or, I want to say it took me like, let me see, January. I want to say like maybe three and a half months it took me uh, training. For real, because I, I guess I picked up on it well because I was like athletic, which I didn't even know I was fucking athletic. Excuse my, friend. <laughs> I didn't even know I was athletic, but <laughs> apparently, like I could do leapfrogs and the nice drop kick, and I had a little bit of ups, which shocked me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like just the just the basic stuff, uh, I got down, and then um, I still wasn't even ready for my first match because I didn't have any gear, I didn't have a gimmick, I didn't pick a name, nothing. So like I was working, you know, like. Like some people, when they're first breaking in the business, they either become like referees or something like that. I was a security guard. Oh, pretty okay. much. Yeah, I was, I was working. Security. <laughs> uh, I get off work and I'm on my way to the venue, and my trainer calls and he goes, Hey, man, um, you finna work your first match and you finna work me. And I'm gonna go over. I was like, Okay. On the outside, I'm like, Okay. But on the inside, when I say my heart was <laughs> like, <laughs> nervous i'm like man i don't know what i'm doing you know i don't i don't know how to do anything like really i really don't know how to do too many moves or nothing like that i don't even know what my name's gonna be where i'm from wait all this cool stuff so i get to the venue he gives me like some hand-me-down trunks that say like superstars like the three the three stars on the front and one big star on the back and it's like super then it's the big star on the back and then he gave me some boots and like some generic knee pads that i bought from walmart and then he goes, all right, you are Lance B. Washington. You are going to be this cocky heel, pretty much kind of like the legend killer deal. I was like, you're just going to be this cocky, arrogant heel who thinks he's better than everybody. Okay, mind you, now I'm the only black person there in this whole town of rednecks. So I'm thinking like, all right, this should be easy. You know, I'm black. You know what I mean? I go out there, talk some shit, you know. They'll, they'll hate me. Nope. For some odd reason, they wanted to cheer me. <laughs> but I get it. I don't get it. So we get in the ring, and my trainer's out there. He's calling stuff. So he got me in a rest spot, and I'm like, "All right, what's next? What's next? What's next?" And he's like, "Just relax, man, relax." So then, like, as we get deep into the match, and then we get close to the finish, I just hit him with a basic clothesline, just a basic clothesline. The guy, the referee, counts one, two, and then my trainer goes, "Hit the three, hit the three, and we look at each other. We like. Is he like? Is he for real? Is he serious? And uh, he was like, "Yeah." So then I get, I'm like, "Yeah, I told y'all I was gonna beat this old dude. I told y'all his his time is up. It's my time now." This is back in 2016, though, so I was kind of ecstatic, but it was just weird too. When did you slowly start getting the idea of of the War King, and and how did you get there? Uh. So we got to fast forward a little bit because now, like, I left that. I left my first promotion, and then I went to. This promotion at Elevate um, in Louisiana, and they gave me, they actually taught me how to actually be a baby face and actually how to cut promos because my last, my trainer 
wasn't showing me none of that stuff. He didn't show me how to get booked, how to put wrestling resumes together, none of that stuff. Like he was just there. Like pretty much just taking our money and just really not showing us nothing. <laughs> so um when I was at Elevate, I was the uh they called me the playmaker. So I was pretty much like an MVP ripoff, but I was a good guy. <laughs> Whatever. So then fast forward, I leave that promotion because I didn't like that trainer. That's a whole nother story. And then uh I get to uh Diamond Championship Wrestling. It was owned by a different guy then, but now it's owned by somebody else now. And at that time, I was going by King LB Hughes. Pretty much like um, that was a persona I gave myself when I was like 16. It was like a MySpace name. Y'all remember MySpace back in the day? That was a MySpace name. I was like, my MySpace name was like King LB. So I was just sitting there thinking, I was like, hmm, maybe I could be King LB. So then I started doing the King. It started... It started getting over just a little bit. Then I was just sitting there watching some uh, old Finn Balor matches in New Japan or Prince Devitt. And you know how he's Prince Devitt. And then he would like have that uh, persona where he's like painted up. And I was like, okay, maybe that can alter like alter ego type of thing. Like that's what the working was originally going to be was alter ego type of thing. So then I painted my face and I got my dad old BDU pants and I cut him up in the shorts and stuff. And, and I was okay. I like this. I like this this War King gimmick. You know, I was thinking. Well, I didn't call myself the War King then. I was just like LB Hughes with face paint and stuff. And then I was just thinking of a name. And I was going to go as War Dog, but somebody took somebody else was going to be. Uh, they was going to be like Moon Dog. And I was like, well, I can't have the same name with somebody on the same roster as me. So then I was like, War King. Put it together. Voila. Man, it's crazy because like when I first started doing my War King promos, I like um, I was putting on my face paint and I was talking to the camera and stuff like that. And then I was like, man, I need to find a cool way to like not put on my face paint all the time, you know. So then I thought about Sting. And when I see Sting, when he would do like promos or interviews and stuff, he never had his face paint on. He always had like shades on or something. So I was like, huh. Okay, so I can do that. So I was like, all right, I'll just get a military hat, like the black beret or the black feet or the, the camo green hat or whatever. And then I was just throw on some shades and I was just talking to the camera. Then I can start showing up to the venue like that. Like it's still a little bit of LB Hughes, but then I'll throw in this working hat that my wife made for me. In the whole gimmick creation process, what is the most enjoyable thing? Because you hear some people say that like, when they get down to the brittle bones of it, where they're, where they're developing it, that's the most enjoyable. And then some people will sit there and say, like, once they really figure it out, what it is, like, that's the most enjoyable. From from when you first started to right now with this whole War King persona, what is the most enjoyable process? Uh, what has been the most enjoyable about this process? Actually figuring out what it, what it really is mm -hmm. to me. Developing it was cool. That's the easy part. You know, you can just throw some stuff together, but you got to, like... Also, when you're trying to develop like stuff, you kind of like just throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing. And like you got to you got to go out there, present it to the live audience. And if they're not really getting behind it, then you got to like go back to the drawing board. So fortunately, they um they got behind me a little bit, but they were still used to LB Hughes because I was still like in the beginning. They were still used to that because I still kind of worked the same way. And then uh, once I figured out like the war king, I was like, OK, so. He's pretty much like he's obviously he's me, but he's me. I know this is a cliche and everyone else would say this, but it's it's true. It's me, but it's turned up by 10. Like yeah. the work, like he's fearless. 
He has a heart. He does what's right, but he's more aggressive in the ring. So, like, I guess you like. I'm not really an anti-hero, but I'm not really a traditional baby. Back when I like my rookie year, they turned me heel. I was doing like a nation of domination gimmick, right? In this redneck ass town, but for some odd reason, they didn't want to boo me until I said this. There was this, I, and I, I feel bad. I, I'm still, I'm finna feel bad when I say this, but uh, there was this lady in the audience, and uh, she was in the wheelchair, but she didn't have any legs, and she was talking so much trash to me. I told her to stand up when she talks to me. <laughs> Soon as I said that, I turned my head and I like, I was like, I can't believe I said that. Uh. <laughs> I feel. So Bad. I felt <laughs> bad saying that because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm trying to get heat, but I ain't had to do all that. <laughs> how, did, how, how did how did how did she and like the people around her react when you said that? Oh, they were bad. Oh man, they was wanting to like, oh my god, they wanted to like jump over the barricade and like <laughs> beat me up, which I invited. <laughs> try to do that, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Like when, you, like when you're working, like when you're a heel, especially like when you're a veteran, I don't know like if, if like anybody's told y'all this, but when you're a heel, you have to like lead the match. Like you're the one who's calling the spots and everything. And your job is to pretty much be hated to where you can get the baby face over. So like with your, when, when figuring out the whole War King, do you, let's go ahead and go back to that. Did, was there any variations to the move set that you did from when you were like just LBUs? Because I think like also another hidden art and wrestling is being able to like like let your ring work match the character because i think a lot of people don't think about that so like like yeah talk about that man that's that's a that was another thing i was trying to figure out too because um when i was just lb hughes i kind of mimicked uh wcw booker t like i mimicked my whole ring style behind him and i still do the scissor kick now because they they love that i still do that <laughs> but, I get that. but like when when I was LB Hughes, I was more flashy. You know, I was trying to show off my athleticism, you know, doing the arm drags and stuff like that. But then when I became uh, the War King and I actually fully invested in the War King, once I dropped the LB Hughes from the War King name, I started punch, kick, more intensity in the face, power moves, just the simple basic stuff. That was all I uh, pretty much did. So I was less flashy. Because, like, when you're, like, Think about like when you're in war, you're not really trying to be flashy. You're trying to do anything and everything to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to uh, look at your current run that you got going right now. Uh, you, right now, you are the Alabama heavyweight champion. Uh, tell me a little bit how how you got to that point. Like the people you had to lay down to get up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. So uh, I want to say like. 2021, I had to like a nine month hiatus from the wrestling business because I was like done. I thought I was done with the game. Like, I mean, like I was fed up with it. Like, I didn't want no parts of it. My friends were that was in Oklahoma or in Texas was like, man, you just need to come out here, man. I promise. I was like, nah. I was like, because when I went to work for another promotion in Mississippi, I was still feeling the same way. Like, I'm just over this and stuff like that. So I took like nine months off and then they brought me back. Uh, in the uh, AWA, they brought me back, and then I pretty much had to work my way up to the title. When, when you were on your nine month hiatus, what was the thing that was like, okay, I need to get back in the ring, or it's time? Like, what what called you back? Because you seem like you were ready to, you know, sit out for a while. Uh, my buddies, they okay. they, my buddies was like, um, man, you got too much talent to be sitting on your ass. Mm. That's just 
They told me it was all at his house. He was drinking. And he was like, man, you got too much talent to be sitting on your ass. Mm. And then I started thinking and then I started seeing less talented people get like ahead of me, like get more opportunities that they didn't really deserve. And I'm like, wait a wait a minute. Hold, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> hold up. Nah. Nah. I was like, now nah, I gotta come back and show them like they done forgot who I was. Like, so they brought me back. Oh, you know, I I uh took out the Russian uh my my first night back, so it was pretty cool. What one thing I noticed while you were on your hiatus was that you took your physique to a whole nother level. Like you you bulked up, like you really took the persona of the working to a next level. Like you just got so you know, you you really looked like you were ready for war. And um I just want to know more about your your fitness journey, you know, what it means to you. And like, did that play a role in the war king? You know, like how how much fitness inspired this gimmick? Man, I actually started working out to get into wrestling because you know um back then all of the smaller guys were like bigger guys in real life and i was like well if the smallest guy is 200 pounds i gotta at least try to work to get to that or close to that or at least look somewhat like that so that was my whole thing and actually once i started working i actually fell in love with it i actually yeah. fell in love with training and working out and stuff like that and as far as like uh during my nine months off uh, I actually have more time to focus on that because, like, sometimes, like when you're when you're wrestling all the time, or like you you know you got to train and stuff like that, so you really don't have much time to go in the gym to go hard and stuff like that. And then on Saturdays, you don't want to do too much cardio because you'll get blown up in the ring like two minutes in and stuff like that. So I hired a, a fitness trainer and uh, and we just went to work. I ain't even and honestly, I never really looked at my body and realized how much I put on until like. Uh, I looked at some pictures. I was like, oh, wow. I looked at a current picture and the before picture. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> no, you, you, that hard work paid off. I, I remember you posting a few things about, like, you know, uh, body dysmorphia and things like that. And it just, like, it, it just it just showed me that you were really entrenched into, like, you know, like this bodybuilding culture. And I just, you know, the, the hard work paid off, man. I'm sure when you came back, they were like, damn. like, <laughs> And I bet you that made that comeback even more great. Oh, oh yeah. He definitely looked like he was in a gym. How poetic. <laughs> we see it all the time when guys come back better than ever. And I mean, like, how fitting that you come back just a beast, man. So that's yeah. awesome. They was noticing. They was like, man, you've been putting in work in the gym. But yeah, but by Buffy is a real thing, man. It's like, like you really don't see what everybody else sees. Like, cause you look at yourself every day and it's kind of like, you don't really see the growth and then other people, oh man, you look great. But then like, you like, man, I don't look, I look like trash. Like, man, like I can, it's bad. Like some days it mess with me, other days it don't. But like most of the time it, 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 it mess with me. Like it's just one of them things. It's just one of them internal battles that I deal with. When it all started, you were a fan. Is there any moments in your wrestling journey that you were, sh you know, in the locker room with somebody that you kind of almost wanted to fan out on or, you know, you ever been starstruck? Uh, not really. Um, I haven't really been around like any big names like that to actually be starstruck. But I try, like, even if I did, I try not to be too starstruck because I feel like I'm uh, kissing their ass and like I'm too prideful for that. Like I did share a locker room with Shane Douglas. Okay. I did do yeah, I did share a locker room with him, and I noticed how everybody was, like, trying to kiss his ass and stuff like that. Like, oh, my God, it's Shane Douglas. I remember. And I know there ain't no damn fans of no Shane Douglas, because let's just keep it real. Like, like let's keep it real. <laughs> oh, 
that's gonna put Shane Douglas in their top ten. Yeah, it ain't many. Much respect to the brother, but nah. Yeah, we know of him. <laughs> Just like I name dropped him, we was like, oh yeah, Shane Douglas, like, but he's not our favorite. Agree. Like, like we don't come on, we don't. I mean, cause so it's like. I gave him his respect because he did a seminar for us and I learned timing from him. Even though at the time I thought it was like horrible stuff that he was telling me because it's like the same stuff he was making us do was the same stuff I was doing in training, which was like the opening spot, which is you grab the headlock, shoot them all, take the tackle, pancake, leapfrog, you know, all the other nonsense. But he was teaching us like timing. I didn't realize it then, but when I looked back, I was like, oh, I get why he was making us do that. Timing is everything. Other than that, he also um I pretty much learned how much somebody can hate Ric Flair. He hates <laughs> Ric Flair. Like the man spent two hours of the seminar talking about how much he hates Ric Flair. Yo, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like I was like, wow. <laughs> I can like man so I can just imagine that Bret Hart did a seminar and that would probably be two hours of how much Ooh, man. <laughs> yeah yeah if that's the case I'm gonna sit this way I'm gonna just get a chair guys yeah yeah I'm good that there I was like alright I'm trying to learn something here you know cause I've watched him on the WWE Network you know and I was talking about ECW and stuff I was like oh yeah I know who he is not a fan but I know who he is yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I've been around any big name people yet. Yeah, that means you gotta be the one. Actually, I, I take that back. I take that back. I can't believe I, I can't believe this one slipped my mind. I met Rodney Mack my rookie year. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we had a show in Biloxi, Mississippi. He came out there. Most of the guys were intimidated by him. Don't know why. They were scared of him. I don't know why. I just walked up to him, started talking, like, hey, Mr. Mack, you know, I'm such a such. He was like, hey, so how you doing? I was like, I'm good. I was like, I just, you know, I didn't even hit him with the, I remember watching you on, you know, w, like the five-minute white boy. I, I didn't even walk up to him talking like that. I was talking to him like he was just a normal person. And, like, he just reminded me of somebody from my grandpa's neighborhood, really. Yeah. 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 Okay, you said you're in a while. Okay, so didn't you say you're, like, in a wrestling promotion with a lot of, you know, white guys and stuff like that? Yeah, but, I mean that, that might be self-explanatory. Man, it's just it's just crazy to me how people just just I don't know, bro. It's just crazy to me how people just be so intimidated by these people. It's like, dude, like y'all ain't never been around, like y'all ain't never been to a hood and just seen somebody <laughs> like that before. Like I know plenty. Of <laughs> I promise like, you won't bite, Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It, during my nine month hiatus, he actually reached out to me, like wow. on Facebook, like Facebook friends. And he uh, messaged me and stuff like that because he was talking about he had like a, you know, he got his promotion out in San Antonio and stuff like that. And he was talking about bringing me out there. And I told him I was like, I appreciate the opportunity, but like right now, I'm not, I'm not in the best of shape to do it. You know, I ain't gonna go out there and get blown up. So I was like, maybe like you know, once I'm like fully in the groove, you know, I come out there. I had Jazz, uh, his wife Jazz, actually comment on my post telling me because I had made a post. I was like, man, I need to get out of Mississippi for this wrestling thing. She was like, uh, yes, you do. <laughs> and then one of the guys was like, man, you had Jazz comment on your post, man. You better get your ass out of Mississippi, man. Let's make this thing work. I was like, yeah, yeah I got. It. 
Definitely, yeah, man. If you make it to Texas, we can get to Texas. Hey, for real, we'll be there in a heartbeat. I'm back. And I just want to point this out, man. It's, it sounds like you know having the right support system yeah. is what keeps you going, man. And so, like for real, you you definitely got some fans over here in Oklahoma rooting for you, man. So <laughs> let's go ahead and switch gears. I want to talk about like pro wrestling for you as a fan. So like this is where we're going to just going to talk about like you obviously said that you know when you first came into the wrestling scene. Booker T was one of your inspirations and stuff like that, yeah. man. So, like, what is your favorite part of being a wrestling fan? Some, I think, me and Richie's cases, you know, I like Richie's more on the Facebook side with arguing with people and discussing wrestling. I'm more on the TikTok creation side. Like, I see all types of things, and like, I think that's one of my favorite experience, one of my favorite parts in the fan wrestling experience. What is your part? And let's just kind of talk about that, man. Man, uh. I'm a, I'm probably a little of both. <laughs> I, I, I rocks with TikTok. I, I call it the devil's app, you know what I mean? Because you'll be on TikTok <laughs> and next, you know, three hours that went by. <laughs> but I, I, I mess with TikTok and then also uh, I do like Facebook and I'm like heavily active in, well, I used to be really active in uh, these groups, you know, now the nation of African-American wrestlers. I pop my head in there every now and then. Yeah, and then uh, the real wrestling talk only, I'll pop my head in there from time to time. I was really active in that group, and then they started making me so mad because it's like, it's kind of hard for me to watch wrestling as a fan being a wrestler myself. Mm, totally understandable. Yeah, yeah it's kind of hard. So, like, when I see people, like, comment certain things about, like, matches or, like, if somebody's good or not, and I try to explain from like the actual wrestler point of view, but it's like they want to argue me down. Like I just don't know what I'm talking about because I'm not there. But it's like it's all the same stuff. Only difference is they have a billion dollar production budget, and we got like maybe a couple thousand. Mm. And that's one thing I say about my fandom. I try to stay in a fan's place. I don't ever really try to be like, oh, they should have did this or they should have did that. You know, I just try to stay where I'm at. You know, as far as you know, wrestling fans go because once you start, you know, overexerting your opinion and saying things, you, you start getting disrespectful and start sounding crazy after a while, man. And you know, I take it as somebody that's a pro that probably could be disrespectful at times. Exactly. Yeah, yeah man. I myself on Twitter a few times, uh, going at random folks because you know how you know how them fans get. They was all mad when uh, Mercedes and uh, Trinity walked out of uh, Raw. Was it Raw or SmackDown? They walked out. Was it Raw? Oh, it was wrong. It was wrong. It walked out there. Everybody was like, oh my God, they was unprofessional and I can't believe this. And, you know, and I'm like, well, Steve Austin walked out in 03. Yeah. Yeah. Job to Brock, which I understood why he didn't want to do it. Like, he just didn't want to randomly do the job to Brock, but like, he walked out. It was 02. I'm sorry. He walked out in 02. Well, he had the right to uh, walk out. No, he didn't. He's a contract. Yeah, yeah he's a contract. Yeah. It was job. Oh, that's his job. Where was that energy? Yeah, we we know why they were mad. We know <laughs> <laughs> straight up. Like, we we all know. Yeah, exactly. When it first yeah. happened, I wasn't even like shocked. I was shocked, but I wasn't. The first thing that went through my mind was, I'm not about to sit here and attack Sasha and Trinity like that. Like, like that. That was the last thing that came yeah. to my mind. There's more to the story, man. Obviously, you know what I'm saying. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just hate when I see people, especially, you know, the fans. They dog certain wrestlers of color. Like they get it harder than you know anybody else. 
So I, I try to be a little, I, not even try, I am more defensive of wrestlers that look like us. And I so a lot of times I'll just back out of those conversations because I don't want to argue all day. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's draining that time when you're trying to argue with somebody. So I'm like, all right. I mean, I'll I, I get into these debates about AEW and WWE. You know, I'll do that. You know, as far as like getting like deeper into it, like I'm not gonna argue with nobody over that no more. <laughs> I can't do it. It, it destroys your own peace. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think like with, with what you said and what you were saying, I think it also just kind of boils down to common sense and and moral logic here because like a lot of these people that are very opinionated about certain things, like we're always taught when you're in school to go ahead and get the full story. Go ahead and understand the full story before you just release an opinion and stuff like that. Or you're just so quick to judge. Because I think like just like how you brought up with the whole Stone Cold walking out in 02, you know, Internet wasn't booming as much as it is now. And so, like, when you get all these other stories to kind of come in and stuff like that, it, it really adds a different perspective. And it makes me look at people quickly and, 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 you know, look at their intelligence if they're just so quick to just put out a story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to something else. Like, what's y'all? What's y'all thought on uh, Bray Wyatt? Like, what's y'all like on this on this run right here? Like, what's y'all? What's y'all on? Like, if you can be brutally honest, I'm not gonna get upset. I promise, I won't. I, okay, I'm gonna keep it a bean. I, I I like Bray Wyatt. I really want to like Bray Wyatt, but I'm extremely underwhelmed. I don't know where it's going. I I wanted to make more sense and I wanted to be better. But when I voice my opinion about it, I'm just like, hey, let's just see where it goes. But I do feel like we've been watching it for a really long time and it's not really going anywhere. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'm rooting for the guy, but he ain't doing nothing. I ain't gonna lie, man. Like when I watched that that match at the Rumble, because I hosted uh the Rumble at my house, me and my uh wrestler, like some of the wrestlers from the show, they'll come to my house and we watch uh, the Royal Rumble and stuff like that. And we watched that match with uh, LA Knight and it was it was horrible. <laughs> I cringed. I, I, I found myself trying not to cringe. I was like, what in the world? Like what like I was confused on everything. Like what was like what like what was the match? Like what was the direction? What was the story? Like what like why did Uncle Howdy come out and do a suicide dive and miss? Like what was the point of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and also, I'm with you guys but i, I also want to sit there and say I, I feel like i throw this phrase around too much so but i feel like this might be one of the instances where i feel like bray wyatt might be trying too hard with being creative like let me know if i'm just because like I, I don't know it, it may be because now vince ain't there to what's name like oh no don't do this yeah, like, I don't know, there seems to be some type of disconnect between Bray Wyatt's brain and the machine that is WWE, because I, I sit there and I'm like, yeah, Bray, give it to us, give it to us. And then he give us something. I'm just like, eh. and my, I'm not even like, oh, Bray Wyatt's matches suck. He can't wrestle. He can't do that. Like you say, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like confused. Like, what was the, so I kind of like just after that, I was like, all right, bro. <laughs> right. The whole like you said, the uncle. I don't even get the uncle howdy thing. Like what? What? Like what is he? Like yeah, what? What? Yeah. What's? How did this entity come to be? But I, I'm this is why, and this is why wrestlers shouldn't have creative control. <laughs> this is why. And and, and much as like I kind of side with AEW sometimes with like the arguments and stuff, but like this is why they can benefit from having a creative team like a writing team 
because like there is too many stories and too many stuff that's going on in AEW and it doesn't really have like a a climax or or a payoff. Yeah, yeah. It's like so- everything is all over the place and it's like what's the point? Like we're trying to get invested in these people and it's like yeah, it's a little bit of all over the place. And, and I understand it's not easy running a wrestling company. Like, I could never do it. And I don't like to pretend like I can. But, like, you know, like, even with the, the past week when Jay White debuted, and it was just like, he's there. Yeah. It was like, oh, that, that, I mean, it happened. Okay, cool. Like, it wasn't the worst thing, but it could have been done better, you know? Like, yeah. And, and I think that's fair to say as just a wrestling fan, because I think, like, everybody's experience is, is subjective as a wrestler yeah it, it's very subjective but um i think with bray wyatt i also think like why we're so intrigued with this whole bray wyatt stuff is like when bray wyatt came back it was so much oh, lit. <laughs> think about all the fanfare like the way that they was teasing him and the way that he came back like the qr codes come on man yeah. like it was just it was just crazy and you know what i was hoping they was gonna do something with but then they kind of just stopped carrying cross <laughs> when he came back and when he dropped that that what's that the little um what you call it the little hourglass yeah when they put when he put that in the ring and roman was standing there i was like uh-oh i, I thought like, that okay. was cool i, yeah. I ain't gonna lie i thought yeah. that was cool though man. i was okay we come here that i feel like they finna build him up to face roman even though they're both heels but you know yeah. whatever then as you know he grows his hair out he loses the drew at uh what was it um Extreme Rules or something like that. They had that cage match. Yeah, yeah. And they had like the- And after that, just all right, bro, get out, get out of here. I was like, damn. <laughs> he has. I guess he's missing something from what some fans, from what I hear from some fans, like he's just missing something. I'm like, he has the build that they like, you know, all big, what what he Puerto Rican, but he white passing, you know, like. He, He's <laughs> like he's he's everything they're looking for, I guess. And then he has a you know his wife, you know, who's to some fans she's good looking. She ain't me, but <laughs> you know, but she's good looking to the majority of the fan base there. So like they have something, but it's like I don't know where the disconnect comes from with him. Yeah, it's I, like I, it's I like, like the- can't find it. Like what's missing? Unless you, maybe y'all can tell me what's missing. I'm. I don't know. In my oh, humble nobody opinion, it's uh, it's just the matches. When the bell rings, <laughs> he has a menacing demeanor and everything about him, but it just doesn't. The ring work doesn't connect for me. Like I feel like he's one of those guys that could benefit from a a, a more impactful finisher. You know, mm-hmm. you look at him the way he looks. Like you said, he looks like a million dollars. He like he will kill you. Like like the name, but then he just puts you in a in a chokehold. You know. Yeah. Or he hits you with the what I think is it the forearm? It's some type of elbow that he does. Like, yeah, it's vish. Yeah. It's just very anticlimactic. And I just feel like there's kind of a disconnect between the character work and the ring work. They just don't match. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I see that. And then I think it's just a matter of what are you going to put him in and what are you going to stick to? Because I also think like around that time that Karrion Cross came back, he was under the Triple H regime. And then I also think that Triple H was also in the middle of figuring other things out. So like with us being wrestling fans, I also think we got to take that into consideration because especially with way wrestling's looking right now, there's a struggle of creative control. So yeah. I also think that there might be a struggle with like what they want to do with Karrion because Vince had an idea for Karrion and also Triple H had an idea for Karrion Cross. So like 
that's one thing I also got to take into consideration. You know what? I do think, I do think with Roman Reigns being the biggest heel on planet Earth right now, it's really hard to get another heel on that same level without, you know what I'm saying? Like if if Roman Reigns wasn't the champion, it'd be easier for Karrion Cross to be like, I'm a challenge for the title. But because, you know, if Karrion Cross had to wrestle Roman tomorrow, he's losing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they presented him with Roman. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you kind of got to get that belt off of Roman to kind of build up bigger heels. I don't know, man. <laughs> Luther making a real case right now, though, bro. He the man. <laughs> yeah, he showed out at the Rumble. Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Luther got like what? Five five star matches. He has more five star matches than anybody else in WWE history now. Y'all better put some respect on Gunther's name. Workhorse, man. Oh, star rating system. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Dave Meltzer uh, has a bias towards WWE. And I'm going to tell you why, in my opinion. Because there's been plenty of times where, like, in, like the Black and Go era, NXT. Some of those matches deserve five stars, and he'll give them like four and a, four and three quarter stars. Or, yes. but then it'll be like a young buck match, or any Kenny Omega match, or any match from like New Japan, and they getting like five, six, seven stars. And the matches weren't even that good compared to what we saw in NXT, you know. So, I'm like, y'all don't see why people get upset with Dave Meltzer, like, there's a clear bias there, like. Like, if you're going to be a journalist when it comes to wrestling and, and rating these matches, like, at least, like, remove your bias. I mean, yeah. throw a sizzle a little bit in there, but just remove mo most of it. Yeah, it's insanity when I see some of the stuff he's awarded in the last couple of years. It's kind of jumped the shark. Like, especially when I thought, like, you know, you know, known, considered modern classics like WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, that wasn't a five-star five match. match. Yeah. And I was there... I'm sorry, I, I was there in person for that match. And when I tell you, it had me hugging random niggas that I didn't know. Like, I'm just like, I'm high five. Like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? It was like a, such a, a, a circle of camaraderie. Like, I've never been so, like, entrenched in fandom in my life. And it didn't matter to me at the time. But when I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely five-star match. They were like, no. And I'm like, Bro, that is my all-time favorite match ever. Like, Undertaker yeah. is, well, I mean, I may be biased here, but I mean, Undertaker is my all time favorite wrestler, followed by Booker T and Eddie Guerrero. That's my top three. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Ken Shamrock is in my top five. Reason being, uh, Ken Shamrock is in my top five because when I was five years old, I was living in Columbus, Georgia, and we were flicking through the channels and we saw it was Monday Night Raw. So obviously this was during the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, and uh, I just seen Ken Shamrock. I didn't even know who he was. I just saw this big crazy, what a short, stocky white dude just going crazy, like suplexing the referees and just going crazy. And I just got hooked to him, and then I just been a f since. And Shamrock ain't no joke. Man. Hey, and I believe he started the tap out system in WWE. Yeah, because before that, everybody was just saying I quit when it was in submissions, but then like he actually implemented the. Because he brought, because he brought that early MMA stuff to WWF. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. Like UFC wasn't like really, like MMA wasn't really a big thing back then. Like they didn't really have it on pay per views back then because it was like barbaric. Like they used to have tennis shoes on and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like clips from like Ken Shamrock and Roy Gracie and all them. Like them dudes had like tennis shoes on, fighting each other, bare knuckle, all that stuff. It was brutal. Back then. 
you know, and for that simple fact alone, that should make Ken Shamrock a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I feel like he's one of those guys that yes. deserves to go in. And and with you bringing that to light right now, I'm just like, yo, why isn't Ken Shamrock at all? Yo, yo, he was Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, Hero Cultural Influence, we have this segment called where we put someone over. And it's just a random moment where we just give people their flowers in, in our instance, but we like to put them over. So let's go ahead and put over Ken Shamrock for the one time we're in. <laughs> the man. Yeah, yeah. About how you brand yourself? Do you have like any online stores or any type of way people, you know, fans can shop merch for you? Um, I don't have anything online at the moment. I'm uh, trying to work, like trying to figure out how to work that out. <laughs> I don't have a pro wrestling tees store, which I don't plan on getting that because it's like if you don't have ten thousand followers, then you got to pay to get on their site. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like they gotta like you gotta submit an application and they gotta approve it and stuff. So if you don't have over 10k followers on Facebook or like combined on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, like they're not gonna approve you unless you're gonna pay to use their store. Oh. <laughs> that gets out there. But uh <laughs> yeah, make sure that gets out there. But um, yeah, I'm in the process of trying to figure out like how to, you know, get some stuff online and I also gotta, you know, get more merch. You know, I want to get some more hats made, some more T-shirts made, because I ran out of shirts. <laughs> That's a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Real, man. Then, my cousin, he actually has like a sunglass line. So I'm working on that, too. Oh, no. Now get, that like, would be the, yeah, getting like them big, uh, the big snowboard looking glasses, you know, like them Oakleys, big ones like that. Yeah. So I'm working on you know, my low. All right, guys, we've reached that part in the podcast where we're going to go ahead and play a quick game called Fast Cash. I will have a minute here, and the contestant, LB, will answer as many of these questions as he can. So when we get this uh, timer up, we'll go ahead and get started. All right. Ready, set, go. Name a spot in wrestling that most guys would shy away from. It's kind of hard because these days, man, they they look like they don't shy away from nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and so that one, okay, name these a, days. Name a city in the U.S. that is likely to host a wrestle that is least likely to host a WrestleMania. I'm trying to think where they haven't hosted WrestleMania yet. <laughs> I'm trying to think where they haven't hosted one at. Um, I must just say Wembley Stadium. Okay. Okay. Name a match that wouldn't fit in today's climate. Uh, the scaffold match. <laughs> Pick a Mortal Kombat character to be your tag team partner. Jax. Okay. Who is the greatest rapper of all time? <laughs> <laughs> we, we over, but we gonna let it go. We gonna let it rock. We gonna let it rock. Nah. We, we went over the top. We gonna let this one cook. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey man, why you? Hey, all right. Uh, uh, all BS aside, I'm gonna say Tupac. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, there we go. Say Tupac. But my controversial, <laughs> I'm gonna my controversial top five. Okay. All, all right. right let's see. Number one, Benzino. Oh. Number, number two, Nick Cannon. <laughs> number three, Birdman. Oh my God. Number four, Silk the Shocker. Where did you go? Number five, Lil Bow Wow. 
Oh man! Wow! Hey, War King gimmick died down. You definitely gonna be a troller. Yeah, yeah. You could definitely have the greatest troll gimmick (laughs) if this one doesn't work out. I promise. Thanks, thanks, man. It's been real, man. Uh, We gotta finish doing hot tags and some more podcast segment. I know you probably finna head to the gym, but man, as always, appreciate the love, and I will be sending some more. I will be sending some tease videos your way. Yeah, appreciate y'all, man. Shout out to y'all, man. Welcome back to Cultural Influence. It was great chopping up with my guy LB Hughes, the War King. Right now, we about to get into hot tags. Hot tags is when we go over the hottest stories in wrestling, and but we make it real fast and, and impactful, like a hot tag. All right. All right, all right, all right. So, you know, it's WrestleMania Fallout weekend. I mean, Fallout pretty much, man. And some people say this is like one of the hardest times to be a wrestling fan because like that big blow up over you know what i'm saying it's this big build up and it's midway through the year we still gotta go through still gotta go to SummerSlam, man and uh one of those things in man is like you know uh vince mcmahon is back in control oh uh, allegedly 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 and i feel like for wwe be kind of hit be hitting one of its hardest periods of the wrestling calendar year it's kind of had this rumored Vince McMahon back in creative control. I feel like that's the last thing you really want to be as a wrestling fan. And, and that's the thing that really gets me, man, is we're coming off such a really good WrestleMania, and then the, wor- the worst possible thing that can happen is Vince McMahon come back and try to take over everything again and run it into the ground. But yeah, yeah. I, I, a part of me understands it's his baby. Of course. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard for you to see how these guys are running it without you or seeing it even go on without you and then people act like you just don't exist or, or like you don't have the Midas touch no more. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And the whole thing is this is still alleged. We don't know if Triple, if Vince is the head of Creative. I mean, he said he wasn't going to be in the day-to-day or, or in the weeds, as he put it. He wasn't going to be in it going crazy. I mean, shoot, Raw went off last night. They say he wasn't there. Raw, uh, SmackDown went off Friday. He wasn't there. But, boy, that show last Monday reeked of Vince. It did. It had Vince written all over it, man. So. <laughs> and pull it, rewritten, and then rewritten, and then rewritten again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll figure that out eventually. You good, you good, you good. <laughs> Shout out to Richie, man. He's in the holster. You know, he he's a, he's the bus rider today. Mm-hmm. Man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was doing that when we did the intro. You know, we switched roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, let's go ahead and segue into one of the stories that we just really, that I feel like could be kind of struggling because there's no real say so in who's the top dog and calling it cody Rhodes, hard times storyteller now what's your whole take with this man like you know i kind of want to go back to what you said a few episodes ago where you said you know your biggest fear was that WWE, I mean, that, that fans were going to turn on Cody with this whole Sami Zayn story being did. And okay, so on that part, you know, I feel like WWE is going to add that extra layer of protection for Cody. Because I think WWE in a vacuum was watching cultural influence. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they Bite saw what stuff. you said and it was like, right, they're going to turn on Cody. So we're going to have him lose at WrestleMania. Then we're going to have Brock Lesnar beat the brakes off of him to go ahead and get that extra empathy. Now, could we be wrong? Yeah, but so far, that's what I want to say. What is your take on that? Man, I don't I don't know what it was, but apparently the story coming out of WrestleMania was that the plan was always for Cody to lose. 
I don't know. It just seemed like WrestleMania was the time to strike. And I, I and I, we said last time, I don't want to get to a thousand days just for the sake of getting to a thousand days because then the reign kind of loses its importance. You know what I'm saying? It's not about the prestige or just the idea of beating this man. It's like, hey, let's just get to these numbers because... You know, the this numbers is don't lie, and yeah. they spell disaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the numbers spell disaster. They do, man. but I will say, coming out of WrestleMania, that has been all anybody has been talking about. Whether it be for the bad things or the right things, it's been the talk. I was, I mean, I've seen WrestleMania on avenues that I hadn't even seen before. You know, because people were talking about how much of a big deal it was this year. So. I mean, it could be bad publicity because, you know, people are like, they're mad, but also they're invested. You're right. You're so right. I, I think the real question is, can they keep people invested for another you're right. turn of this title reign? Okay. You're good. They're invested in another title reign? Yeah, I mean, as long as people are still invested in this title reign. As long as they keep people interested, you know? Speaking of investments, let's go ahead and talk about Endeavor's investment. Ooh, Segway King over there. Yeah, yeah, Segway King, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, so WWE, over the course of WrestleMania weekend, was sold to Endeavor. And um, it's just one of those things, like, where, once again, like, everything's changing. And And I also want to point out that, like, once again, this time of the year, it's really hard for wrestling, for, for WWE to kind of like, you're coming off the WWE high. You got the WWE European tour that's coming that everyone, that wrestlers drink. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. And so you go ahead and you sell to Endeavor. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, well, what's your stance on that? I feel like we've been talking about that for a long time. When WWE was for sale and now it's over. Uh, I, I think that... Vince had a plan from the jump. You know, he said he was coming back to facilitate a, a facilitate a sale. That's exactly what he did. But I also feel like he sold to somebody that would allow him to be in play. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, the the Endeavor CEO or the or the you know the head of Endeavor spoke very highly of Vince McMahon. And I will say one thing about Endeavor: they are the parent company of UFC, and so they allowed UFC to still run as UFC. Dana White was still able to run the UFC as he saw fit without a bunch of input. And so I firmly believe that WWE will be allowed to run as they do. Thank you. Go ahead and give that another applause. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and put that piece to our mini wrestling fans. Because a lot of wrestling fans are worried that we could see the end of WWE on Peacock. I mean, WWE premium live events, pay-per-views. Well, now, I believe that is a true possibility. But with that being said, the Peacock contract runs till 2026. So we're good. It, it may be an issue, but not, you know, anytime soon. So, yeah. And another thing that I wanted to just point out is I also think that with all these things happening around WrestleMania weekend, what maybe this was really just a big pitch when you think about it. When you think about all the drama that that comes, like when you're selling, like when you think about what WWE is selling to Endeavor and stuff like that, it's this, it's this level of entertainment. And what better way to pitch this sale than your biggest event of the year. Yeah. When you see the level of engagement and stuff like that, because just the whole fact that it got announced officially after WrestleMania. Yeah, Monday, it was like it was planned almost. It was huh? planned, <laughs> yeah, man. So like, you know, once again, you know, it's all about the money. And 
Shout out to Vince McMahon for just brainstorming that idea, man. Making it happen, you know. I, I, the thing that I hate about, like, with it being, like, Endeavor, which is entitled, which is, like, entangled with UFC, is, like, UFC, there's kind of been this underlying beef between UFC fans and wrestling yeah, fans. Yeah. And, yeah. and I kind of feel like them combining is really hard, man. Just just imagine the day when Microsoft and Sony decide they want to combine, and you've got PS, you know, Xbox fans, <laughs> PlayStation fans under the same umbrella, man. Well, not. Cause they, they don't respect us as fans, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't. They, 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 meanwhile, all the MMA dudes love the wrestlers, you know what I'm saying? They they, they be stealing the, the sauce on the promos, trying to be this and that. But the fans just don't respect us. But it's cool, yeah. Cause now we under y'all same umbrella. We added more value to your company. You see who's really the big dog in town? WrestleMania shut everything down. Uh, UFC ain't selling out like that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it, it's good to see wrestling as just one big pitch, man. Yeah, yeah, they know. And let's go ahead and switch gears to our final segment for hot. I mean, our final part for hot tag. Jay White, he's all elite. You kind of talked about it a little bit with LB Hughes. You know, shout out to LB Hughes once yes, again. Yes, sir. Uh, but Jay White, his debut on All Elite Wrestling. I will say this. I have been watching all elite wrestling on a more consistent basis than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And seeing Jay White pop up on AEW television was great. It was great. Could it have been better? Yes. But, you know, once again, uh, we would, I, I could have sworn that Jay did. I don't know what AEW did as far as pricking him away from WWE. But once again, shout out to Tony Khan. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. I would love to see him in a WWE ring. But hey, once again, he's, he's all elite. So what, that's my take on that. You know, um, I feel like if WWE wanted Jay White, they would have gotten Jay White. I don't think it's the big story where everybody's all like, oh, he saw Vince coming and ran. I feel like they kind of, they just didn't communicate well. Well, at least that's what a lot of the reports are saying. It's just they didn't communicate well with him that they wanted him. So I, I assume it was real easy for him to go to AEW because all of his final matches in New Japan were... Loser leaves Japan match. You know, it was him getting kicked out, you know? So it kind of felt like he wasn't going to go somewhere to where he could still wrestle in Forbidden Door tomorrow. It kind of felt like his exit from New Japan was like, all right, guys, I'm going over here. But maybe over here it didn't work out the way they thought it was going to. I, I don't know. It's weird. And I, I'm not going to lie. I would have personally preferred to see Jay White in WWE. Everybody, yeah. Because I, I feel like it's a little more of a... You know, elevation in Jay White's career. I don't know. We've seen him and we've seen him in AEW and it didn't really I'm not gonna say it was bad, but it just didn't do much for me, you know. So seeing him in this WWE environment would have been cool, whether you know you think he would have got used right or not. I just would would have wanted to see him give that a shot. Agree, agree. But I do think he has a better chance of being a major factor in AEW. So at the end of the day, do what works what's best for you, man. We're very wrestler friendly here at the Cultural Influence. Most definitely, man. So yeah, and that's it for hot tags right now. So let's go ahead and segue in a raw reaction. Yo, 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 mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two. Welcome back to Cultural Influence. You know. Shout outs to LB Hughes. Shout outs to Jay White. Shout outs to WWE. Shout outs to Vince McMahon. Shout outs to Triple H. Shout outs to everybody we done pretty much talked about on cultural. You got to shout outs AEW, bro. What oh, you trying to get us? To, oh, you yeah. trying to get us killed on Twitter? What's wrong with you, man? You're right. What's wrong with you? Damn. Shout outs to Tony Khan. Shout outs to Tony Khan, man. Uh, but uh, here are Raw Reactions. We're not going to be reacting to a video necessarily, but I saw this post from, I believe, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And 
It said wrestlers top five so far. Okay. And I just want to go ahead and show this picture. So, you know, Richie, I see this list and I think this deserves a raw reaction. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I don't want to say, I don't, I want to go, I don't want to necessarily disagree with this, but I want to talk about like by the end of this decade, Man, do you see this list changing? And if so, who do you see changing in it, man? Like, let, well, first, before we go ahead and do that, let, let's talk about it. You got Seth Rollins. You got Kenny Omega. You got Roman Reigns. You got John Moxley. And you got Drew McIntyre. Give me a superstar that you know that's on there without the shadow of a doubt. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Okay, okay. I mean, okay. you can't be three-year champion and not be on that. You know what I'm saying? He's literally been a world champion since 2020. Okay. Yeah, no, valid. Yeah. Valid. Okay, I want to go ahead and, and I'm, I'm going to continue that. 2020, Drew McIntyre. MVP of the pandemic, baby. MVP, that, that stat alone, I think that, that should put him definitely at that top five. You know, definitely in that, in that conversation for best performance of the 2020s decade. Now, when the decade's over, do I see Roman or Drew on here? I think Roman will have a stronger case than Drew. Yes, will. yes. But I think with Drew being the MVP of the pandemic, man, that's going to give him a strong case too. Uh, I, I don't know about that because it just kind of depends on what Drew does from here on out. Yes, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Drew as a top guy in WWE is still a relatively new thing, and we haven't seen him get past the ball the way he had the ball during the pandemic. You're right. And so if he doesn't get that chance again within this decade, which I'm sure he will, he might not be up there. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you're right. You're right. Uh, then, okay, go ahead and go to the next guy that you want to bring up. So my next guy that I want to talk about is a visionary. He's an architect. Yes. He is Seth freaking yeah. Rollins. And I think Seth Rollins will stay in this conversation because I feel like Seth Rollins can get himself over no matter what. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Seth Rollins has constantly reinvented himself, has constantly made himself a force to be reckoned with on whatever show and whatever show he's going to be on. And so I just feel like he's just one of those enduring talents that no matter what you hand him, he's going to make it work. So, uh, yeah, I feel like Seth is very deserving of being there and he'll stay there for a while. You're right, man. Uh, I kind of feel like he, he can fit in that category of Chris Jericho, of being able to change yourself and yeah. knowing when to do it. Because yeah. I will sit there and tell anybody that will listen, um, the Monday Night Messiah is definitely one of my favorite versions of Steph Man, Rollins. listen. Had the Monday Night Messiah not got a little more, if it would have gotten more screen time, I think it would come, I think it could compete with the Visionary. But the Visionary gimmick is so great right now yeah. that I can't just sit there and put the Monday Night Messiah over it because the Monday Night Messiah was short lived. Yeah. A, another like <laughs> very valuable player of the pandemic era. Oh, oh most definitely, yeah. most definitely, man. So uh, let's go ahead. Uh, we got two more left, man. I want to go ahead and talk about. He used to be known as the cleaner, and then coming into the 2020s, he was known as the bout machine. He screwed over Roman, should I say, and being the oh, top wrestler. Oh yeah, yeah. The, just because he just because he held more belts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some will say you know he's been very controversial in the last couple years in PWIs. Uh, 
top 500. You know, he's been number one when I think Roman was at, when it was clear cut Roman. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, he robbed Roman. Yeah, That's what I'm looking I, for. I, yeah, in my opinion, Roman definitely had the better year that he was number one, but kayfabe accomplishments at that time, Kenny had him beat, so it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 and that's not even, and I think a lot of people, when, when I say this, and when most wrestling fans say this, we're not discrediting Kenny. We're not. Kenny the man. Because I also think, like, Kenny brought something different to that whole post-pandemic era where you're still trying to figure things out. Like, yeah. when, when he now, like, when he first beat, uh, when he first got the uh, AEW championship and him and Don Callis drove off and he appeared on Impact. <laughs> I, I thought it was cool. It was something different. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it was a moment, you know, for sure. Especially seeing him, you know, wrestle people like Sammy Callahan, getting the, the his forehead chopped up. He did really great work. I will say, though, my one thing about Kenny Omega is I don't see Kenny Omega wrestling towards the end of this decade. You're right. I, I totally see Kenny Omega hanging it hanging it up by 2030. And you know what's crazy? That you bring up a good point, man. And I want to say that towards him, but hell, let's talk about it though. I don't see Roman being I don't see that, Roman in the same me neither, boat. Me Hollywood is gonna swoop grabbing in a heartbeat, man. Yeah, and but but I do feel like when you look back on this decade, these will be guys that you're gonna reference. Oh, most definitely. So I feel like they're Kenny Omega and Roman Reigns will have the biggest impact. Of of I'm saying, we're talking about relatively older guys here, and we're in a relatively young decade right now. It's only 2023. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I don't see Kenny and Roman just going as hard as they're going now by 2027. Yeah, and I mean, like I think Kenny also puts that rumor to rest of not being able to not not stepping foot in WWE and still not being as relevant, man. Because yeah. For for Kenny and Roman to be mentioned in the same breath, knowing that Kenny hadn't stepped foot in WWE and for him to be this big and yeah. I think that says a lot for him. And I think yeah. that's what we should also hold in high regard when we're ranking him this high. Yeah. In that whole wrestling debate. Because like let's let's, let's go back to the eighties and the nineties. When Ric Flair hadn't even stepped foot in the WWF, he was already mentioned in the same breath as Hulk Hogan. Now, granted, Ric Flair, I mean, WWE had WC. I mean, there was WCW, who was just as big, if not bigger than WWF. But, you know, when you think of pro wrestling in the 80s, you think of the Hulk Hogan's, the Ultimate Warriors, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, all those guys who are WWF guys. And then there's that lone uh, Ric Flair over there. You know what I'm saying? And I think Kenny Omega kind of fits in that threshold of that. Yeah, 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 I, I can see that. He's very, he's very much the Ric Flair of this, where it's like, I'm considered one of the greats and I don't even have to step foot into what's considered the biggest promotion because of all the work I put in elsewhere. So yeah, most most definitely, I, I, I see your point there. Yeah, now let's go ahead and switch over to John Moxley. Ooh, the most valuable player of AEW. Yeah, yeah. Man. Um, I like this list for being very versatile and not just dominating it with a whole bunch of WWE guys. Um, so John Moxley, I'm just crazy. I say WWE guys, I say John Moxley, but a lot of people forget John Moxley. Yeah, oh no, this, I forget about Dean Ambrose. Sometimes. I, I, I think this list really puts it in perspective just how important the Shield were. Oh my god! I just realized that. Yeah. Wow. When 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 the shield burst onto the scene, we were really looking at the future of wrestling, and it's just amazing seeing how far these three gentlemen have come over these last what ten plus years. Yeah. You know, man. the shield's been in the WWE. They debuted in 2012, man. So it's yeah, over a year now. Yeah. 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 And so so it's just crazy seeing that, and and John Moxley basically. Single hand, I ain't gonna say single handedly, but he held AEW together last year. And I feel like John Moxley has a lot left in the tank, in the words of our boy Mark Henry. I got a lot left in the tank. 
Yeah. And I just see him going for a while and he's going to be over no matter where he goes, whether that be, you know, back to WWE at some point or just staying being the guy in AEW. I mean, yeah. John is a force to be reckoned with, man, and, and he, he's going to be there. I feel like the most questionable person on this list might be Drew McIntyre. He could probably be replaced by like Cody or something. Yeah. Depending on how this decade plays out. So, you know, we it's a lot of moving parts going that this whole list could change up real quick. Yeah. So let's go ahead and segue into that, man. Who do you see possibly on this list or who do you see replacing each other from this list by the end of this decade? Going into the new decade of the 2030s. Oh, my God. That's like a long time from now. Well, I, I just mentioned it. So I really think Cody is one to watch. Cody's one to watch. I think uh, MJF is one to watch. You said theory. Theory is one to watch. Oh, uh, I forgot about one, man. You will probably be mad at me. Montez Ford. Hey. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's true. You know, and and when we talk about these guys, I don't want to call them all mega stars because I wouldn't I wouldn't call Drew McIntyre a mega star, but he's definitely a superstar. Oh of yeah, pro wrestling. And so you just want to look at guys that have that superstar appeal or people that could just you know appeal to outside of wrestling. And I feel like Montez Ford is definitely one of those guys. Oh for sure, yeah, for, for sure, sure, for sure, man. That, that's great, man. So, right. well, guys, there you have it for raw reactions right there. You know, all 2020s, all decades team so far. And by the end of this decade, we're projecting awesome theory montez ford cody rhodes mjf and who else who would you like to put in that number five slot somebody we ain't seen yet but um braun breaker or carmelo carmelo ooh we hey darby too bro like it's it's hard it's hard it's well, hard guys you know we could be here talking all night but maybe we'll save this for a future episode facts <laughs> <laughs> Yo, 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 everybody, Chain Mike Champion Team MC. We have reached that final part in the podcast. Guys, thank you for listening. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram. I got it all going. We got a TikTok going on and stuff like that. YouTube reels, you know, cultural influences everywhere. And so, like I said, the content is getting out. But we have reached this final part in the episode where I'm going to go ahead and put the rest, the game segment. I want to introduce this new segment called Cultural Influence Shorts. So, you know, it, it could be a game. Sometimes it could just be a short or brief interaction. But here on this edition of Cultural Influence Shorts, I want to do this segment called Hall of Famer or Not. I will ask my partner here, Richie. I will name him five wrestlers, and he just has to tell me if they're a Hall of Famer or not and give me one simple explanation. Ooh. So are you ready, Richie? Let's get it. All right. Kenny Omega, Hall of Famer or not? Most definitely Hall of Famer. New Japan legend, wrestling legend, living legend already. Street Profits, Hall of Famer or not, as a tag team? Yeah, for sure. They'll be, they'll define an era. Matt Hardy, as a singles wrestler? Yes, yes. Because Matt Hardy has had a really decent career as a solo act, whether it be from being a pivotal part of the Cruiserweight division with the version one gimmick, all the way to the Woken gimmick, and all the way to the ECW championship run. Matt's had some notable moments as a singles wrestler, so it's he could. Wade Barrett, Hall of Famer or not, and explain why. Yeah, uh, y yes, yes. Wade Barrett is a Hall of Famer because he led one of the biggest move movements in WWE, the Nexus. Uh, Zack Ryder. No. Only because he didn't do that unpotential and he left early. Wow. Attacked potential. Baron Corbin. As of now, no. Nothing meanable. Uh, no, no. You ain't giving my man no bail. 
Cesaro. Yes, he has been um, a former tag team champion with multiple guys. Okay. Uh, Carmella. Carmella, no. Only because there was too many bigger stars in her era. Wow. Uh, Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, no. As of now. As of okay. Now. All right. Ray was way harder on the Hall of Famers. Jesus. <laughs> hey, when I saw Michael Jordan, he was standing the Hall of Famers. Well, that's it, guys. We're all out of time right now. You know, make sure you stay tuned with us on Instagram and follow me on TikTok and follow Cultural Influence 405 on Instagram. And guys, also make sure you check out our podcast that we just recently did. I released it on the week of WrestleMania, but we highlight the victims and those that benefited from the run of the Tribal Chief. Yeah. It's very fun. I think we kind of got in our bag with that. Yeah, we did. We put our foot in that one, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. We have some really fun insight on this wonderful run that has been known as the Tribal Chief run, yeah. and uh, it's some of our best work. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we're not referring to it in past tense, so you know, um, I don't want to call it content that aged bad oh but God, right <laughs> it's still relevant so we just got to put another face on that list you know what i'm saying I'm oh, I just want to give another shout out to our, our wonderful guest for this episode, the War King, LB Hughes. Oh, most definitely. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to having him back on the show. Many, that's like our fourth guy on the show, man. I can't wait to have all those guys come back at one point or another. And man, I can't wait to bring more wrestlers out on the show. But yeah, until next time, I'm Ray. I'm Richie. And we're out.